one of my main purposes was give out tracks. And I tried to give out as many tracks as I could because each track was in German, Polish, or Ukrainian. I felt my biggest contribution was giving out as many tracks as possible. To add to that, Byron, I saw many expressions on people's face, but the one that I saw was regret. Sometimes I saw Steve talking with someone or Alan or Ed, and I saw regret because they knew I do not understand his language but at the same time, they very much wanted to hear what they were saying. So that moved my heart. Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, I want to welcome to the studios three dear friends of mine have known for many years, Steve Copeland, Alan West, and Chris Hodges. Three of these four men have recently returned from a trip to Germany, Poland, and Ukraine to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I told Steve Copeland when they returned, I really wanted to have them back in the studio. As you well know, Steve has made numerous visits here on the show to talk about Mission Field USA and the mandate to share the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. And we are in a crucial time, we believe, that we're living in right now for the church to stand up and preach the gospel and share the good news. Two of our guests are in the studio, and Steve Copeland is actually on the phone with us in Washington, D.C. Alan West is in the refrigeration and HVAC business. He's known my wife since she was a little girl, watched her grow up. Alan and Barbara West have been friends. We've known them for many years. And, of course, Chris Hodges, who is the president of Abiding Above Ministries, and you hear the program just before 5 o'clock, Monday through Friday, right here on the Bot Radio Network. Chris, good to see you, too. Good to be here, Byron. Steve is in Washington, D.C. for a March for Israel. It's planned Tuesday, November 14th in Washington, D.C. There's a, an event organized by the Jewish Federations of North America. The March for Israel has three goals, Steve, I understand. This is all according to Eric Fingerhunt, who is the CEO of the Jewish Federations of North America which is organizing the rally jointly with the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Steve, you want to kind of highlight what the purpose for this march is? Obviously, the main purpose is to show the support of the Jewish community and others for Israel in the United States to encourage uh, government policy to understand in light of what's really going on in the Middle East, I can tell you the reason I'm here is from even before I was a believer, the Holy Spirit was showing me the priority on God's heart of Israel and the desire on God's heart to reach the Muslims of the world with the gospel. So my main purpose with my wife and those who are going to be here, my daughter and others, is to be standing in prayer for what God is doing in these last days on the earth. Steve, in a New York Times report, more than 100,000 demonstrators in Paris and cities across France took to the streets on Sunday to show their solidarity with the country's Jews and to deplore anti-Semitic acts that have multiplied across the nation, as we've also seen here in America since Hamas's attack on Israel on October 7th. The marches were called by the leaders of both houses of the French Parliament, the Senate, and the National Assembly. Steve, what message should that sent to President Biden and to our Congress? The message needs to be for anyone who has a, a nation with a large Jewish population, or even one that doesn't, I will bless those who bless me and I will curse those who curse them, basically from uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 3 onward. The reality is that no nation 
in history has cursed the Jewish people or Israel and has survived, and we've seen that even in our own lifetime. So it would be an intelligent thing to do for the White House and others. And, of course, the State Department of the United States is infiltrated with hundreds, even thousands of employees who are against Israel and have uh, orchestrated many things that if people were aware of what was going on behind the scenes, would call it treason. But that's a discussion for another occasion. Yes, and our primary conversation today is going to center not around Israel, although we do want to pray and support Israel. And that's why I wanted to let you share what you're doing there in Washington, D.C. But we really want to talk about this trip that you just returned from. I believe it was, Chris, what, 10 days that you traveled to Germany, Poland, and the Ukraine. Yes, we just got back recently and still dealing with that jet lag, but God <laughs> blessed the trip. We gave out thousands and thousands of gospel tracts. I like to call gospel tracts paper missionaries. That's right. And well, what we're going to do in the next half hour here is just break down the travel and go through each country. We start with Germany and move to Poland and the Ukraine, because I've got questions related to each area. Alan, you went to Germany first. Where specifically did you go in Germany? We went to Berlin. We had like a 20-hour trip. As soon as we got there, we gave out tracks, and we gave out tracks that night till 10 o'clock. We're at the Brandenburg Gate where President Reagan in 1987 told Gorbachev to tear down this wall. And there were actually thousands of people in the street. And we gave out tracks to all that we could. There was a large police presence, but they didn't bother us. It was a wonderful opportunity. We talked to a lot of people. And it was just a huge, almost like a party atmosphere at the gate. Steve, were you working with a local church primarily while you were there in Germany? No, the gospel of Jesus Christ is carried by those who are passionately filled with the burden to do so. That's why we go where we go, largely to fill the gap of what's going on or lack thereof of reaching the lost, particularly since the Lord Jesus is coming. And it should be that every believer in Jesus Christ should be doing the work of an evangelist. Unfortunately, we find the church largely engaged in looking unto itself rather than into the priorities that are on God's heart. How receptive, Steve, were the people that you encountered there in Germany specifically? Well, Germany, really, in every place we went, was very well received. Germany, of course, being more westernized, being more prosperous, maybe a little less, but it was really a great joy to be out on the streets and people taking the tracks and conversations as they would unfold, particularly those who could speak English. It was very encouraging. I know you gentlemen had specific encounters that stand out among the different places you traveled, but speaking of Germany specifically right now, any encounters that stand out to you while traveling there, Chris? Yes, absolutely. When we were at the gate, that gate where Reagan said, Gorbachev, tear down this wall, at that gate, I spoke to nine teenage boys, Muslim. So I walked over, had gospel tracts in my hands, and I handed each one the gospel tract, and they started looking at it. They started reading it, and then one young man asked me, what is this? He could speak English, and I said, it's about Jesus Christ. And he politely shook his head no and handed it back to me. And then when he did, the other guys, the other young men, they all handed the tract, so I assume he was the leader. But they were polite. They didn't seem angry, but that's what they had grown up learning, you know, Islam. And I believe with all my heart that God is still speaking to their hearts because I could see the expression on their face 
and it touched them. And then I walked away, and I talked to many more people, but I believe with all my heart God has spoken to them in a special way. How about for you, Alan? Well, I approached a a group of young men, and they were from Ecuador. I was surprised to see Spanish people there, but they spoke English. And I gave them all tracks, and they're very receptive. In Berlin, not far from the Brandenburg Gate, I'm going to change the turn here a little bit. There is a Holocaust memorial, which is built out of blocks of different sizes. And as you walk through them, you get the sense of what the German people went through and really what the, the world went through during that time of going deeper into these blocks and into darkness and not being able to see. But then when you come out the other side, you can see things in the light again. And, and really, that's the story so many. And what, why we go out and do this is we're trying to bring the light to the darkness. I think our experience there reflected our time of walking through that Holocaust memorial. Any opposition or resistance to sharing the gospel in Germany? No. Nothing. Were people pretty much reading the literature that you passed out, or were they discarding it? They were reading it. We have pictures of them standing and reading. And what was unusual for me is some, especially those who were older, they would stop with you standing there, and they would start reading while you stood there. That was unusual. Normally, people would walk away and maybe read it, but they would stand there and read it while you were standing there. So I just felt like that was maybe a cultural thing, but I hope it was the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the tracts that you were passing out, Alan, in Germany. Was it the German language? All the tracts we took were in either German or Polish or Ukrainian, so that they could read the tracts we gave them. Steve, when you traveled to Poland, what were some of the cities that you traveled to? Well, we went to a place called Katowice. We went to Warsaw, Gdansk, up in the north, where the fall of communism really began with Lech Walesa and the combination of Walesa, Ronald Reagan, and Pope John Paul II, their influence in the naval shipyards up there. But we also went to Auschwitz. Before you explain that experience, because I have other things I want to talk about first to lead up to that, if you don't mind. First, how did you commute from city to city? By bus, train, or did you rent a car? We rented a car. We had a van that we drove, and it brought us everywhere we wanted to go. For the most part, Chris, the people you encounter, whether they be in Germany, Poland, or the Ukraine, they all pretty much spoke English to some point. Well, we noticed about age 50 and below, they would could speak English to a degree. Above that, not many could speak English. What I would do, I would point upwards toward God, and then I would point toward my own heart and point towards their heart. And I believe that signal, this man is talking to me about God. But the main thing for us is we have to get the track in their hands because everything we want to say is right there. Gentlemen, I remember years ago, I was during a summer campaign with Operation Mobilization. I remember being in Belgium, and I remember striking up a conversation with a young man, and he spoke very little English, but it's neat to see how the Holy Spirit orchestrated the conversation. He was able to identify that Bug evidently is the, and I think he was from Poland, actually, and that is the term for God. And then Satan, that was, of course, Satan, and he realized there was a battle, a spiritual battle between the two. And I started sharing with him how Jesus paid the price for our sins and tears were just coming down his face. You knew the Holy Spirit was communicating the gospel to him. He had left on a work visa. His wife and young child were left behind, and he missed them so desperately. And yet there was a struggle. And I know that the gospel seed was planted, but he didn't receive Christ at that moment. But I know that there was a beginning and understanding of the gospel. So, yeah, something else happened. Uh, I can't remember which country we were in, but 
I was out. Basically, a crowds were just walking by, and I was handing out tracks as they were walking by me. And one lady stopped. She read it, and then she pulled out her phone and went to Google Translate. And she initiated this, and we had a conversation using Google Translate. So technology can be bad, but it can also be very good. <laughs> Steve, were the accommodations pre-planned before leaving the United States, or did you guys just kind of wing it as you got there? The first two or three nights we had planned, but after that we definitely winged it, and the Lord provided the right place at the right time every step of the way. Tell us about some of the conversations you had with people what kind of questions did they ask when you were sharing the gospel, Alan? Well, one night in Poland, uh, it was kind of late at night. We were giving out tracts on a dark street, and a young man came up to me and said, What are you doing? He spoke good English. And I was able to go through the gospel with him and talk about repentance and faith. I even said, There's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. When you die, you automatically revert to whichever kingdom you live in. I talked to him about hell. And he was very interested. Asked him if he had a Bible, and he worked with refugees. He said, one of the refugee packs, there was a Bible. So I took it out and took it home. I said, well, read the book of John when you get home. But he was very interested, and it was a good conversation. Steve, how about for you, questions that somebody might have asked you, maybe you weren't expecting them to ask you? Well, I think in Ukraine, we were in a restaurant one night, and a man at another table was kept making eye contact with me. And then I had a small conversation with him. Of course, his English wasn't very good and my Ukrainian is nothing. But at the end, he came to our table and we had some of that heartfelt interaction, all of us with him. And he knew that we were there as both emissaries from the Lord, but also just caring individuals in his country. That was very meaningful. I remember that, Steve. And I remember he broke out in tears at a point. Yes. And then we prayed for his health. He was very moved and wiping tears from his eyes as he and his wife or girlfriend there uh, walked away. I would say, Byron, as far as me uh, having conversations with people, it was hard because of the difference in languages. But I do believe our personal appearance and them hearing us speak English, that does help us. It makes them want to stop, look, and listen. And especially in Ukraine, because we have supported Ukraine, a lot of uh, taxpayer dollars. I want to go back to that special stop at Auschwitz-Birkenau that you gentlemen had, and that experience in light especially of the current anti-Semitic protest in cities and universities across the United States. What was it like to be there, Steve? Yeah, our, our brother who was with us, Ed Sheik, it was on his heart to go to Auschwitz, to go up to Gdansk and some of these other places. Much of the vision for the trip came from him. So when we went there, of course, how could you go there without being moved deeply on so many different levels? It probably takes years to sort it all out. But certainly for me, the unique thing was as we drove up to it, all of my visions of Auschwitz were always through pictures of dreary gray skies and all that. But as we drove up to it, it was in full color with the beautiful fields around it and the colors and the trees changing because it was autumn. And you saw this contrast to what I had always envisioned of just sort of this gray, dark area. And that's where it all took place, though, in light of just normal life with normal colors. Millions of people were sentenced to extermination, and it's something that can happen again and something that uh, I think we're seeing is really being attempted again against the Jewish people. Well, I understand IDF troops, as they make their way into Gaza, have discovered 
some material. I think a book that was actually written by Adolf Hitler has yes. been discovered in some children's rooms, I believe, Steve? Yes, Mein Kampf, which is my struggle, which in the midst of that was his vision for the extermination of the Jewish people, which is really uh, the agenda of militant Islam today, as they say that they want to destroy Satan that they call Israel, and the great Satan, which is America. That's a Sharia fundamentalist Islam, but it's being embraced by more and more you know, our heart, um, to just say briefly on that, is to pray for Muslims to come to Christ, but to recognize behind Islam are dark forces, principalities, and powers that have the same agenda that, in many ways, that Nazi Germany had. I think it's a good word, Steve, and to realize that people who follow Islam, many do have questions. They even question their own faith. If you get them in a conversation one-on-one often, they will be very transparent with you and let you know that they see inconsistencies in their own faith. There's some who will say that, and it can create yeah. a, a wonderful opportunity to present Christ and the gospel. Well, as we move to the Ukraine, thinking about the ongoing Russian-Ukraine war, which how close to that combat action were you when you were in Ukraine, Alan? It was quite a bit of ways. Ukraine is bigger than Texas, and so we were in eastern Ukraine. Western Ukraine is where the battle is. We saw no signs of battle at all. It was like downtown Memphis. There was no sign of war where we went. No military presence, really. Well, there is a military presence. There are a lot of guys carrying AK-47s and their squads of men. They're very protective, but they weren't in combat. You didn't feel threatened? No, I didn't. Chris, what seems to be the heart and character of the Ukrainian people who have been at this war with Russia since February of 2022, which really escalated into the invasion, which started really back in 2014? Yes. As far as the people, I would say they seem tired to me as far as the war. From what they told us, the the older people told us that the younger people in Ukraine, they're trying their best to get away, either to the United States or to another place in Europe because they feel like this is something that comes up and goes back down, comes up and goes back down. So they see it as keeping them from ever having a future that is stable. And so there's some discouragement, but I did not see fear. I did not see any really anger, but there did seem to be hopelessness. And then a few people said, we're willing to give up land if we can just have peace. Steve, tell me about some of the Christians that you met in Ukraine. What was their disposition? Yeah, let me for those who are listening, say we went to Lviv, which is in the eastern part of the country. Then we went to Chernovitsi in the southern. And then we went to Kiev and other cities in that area, which are in central Ukraine, which are more places where there have been some fighting in the past. We met with some believers in Chernitsi that are both uh, Romanian Ukrainian who were serving many refugees in the area and really had warehouses stored up with lots of supplies to serve those who've been fleeing the war parts of the the country. And uh, it was very encouraging to hear their heart in reaching these who need to hear the gospel and also need practical provision. You guys, I know, have experienced many divine appointments, as you refer to on these travels, Ukraine, Poland, and Germany. Can you think of one or two clearly divine appointments that stands out among all of the experiences you might want to share with our listeners. How about you, Chris? I guess the one that probably touched me the most, I was handing out tracts in front of a supermarket, and a lady uh, reached for the track and stopped, and she tried so hard 
to talk with me, and I tried so hard to talk with her, but we both were reduced to using sign languages with our hands, to, you know, pointing toward our heart, pointing toward God. And she had tears come down her cheeks because she so much, and she was an older woman, but she so much wanted to communicate. She knew exactly what I was doing. She had the track in her hand. She wanted to have a conversation, and it, we were just blocked on it. To me, the sincerity, I believe when she reads that track, if she's not a child of God already, I believe she believed but that was an agony for me because I'm used to talking, listening, and then helping them see the cross of Christ. I was paralyzed, but the Holy Spirit can work in marvelous ways. How about for you, Alan? Well, in a foreign country like that where you don't have the language, one of my main purposes was give out tracts. And I tried to give out as many tracts as I could because each tract was in German, Polish, or Ukrainian. I felt my biggest contribution was giving out as many tracks as possible. To add to that, Byron, I saw many expressions on people's face, but the one that I saw was regret. Sometimes I saw Steve talking with someone or Alan or Ed, and I saw regret because they knew I do not understand his language. But at the same time, they very much wanted to hear what they were saying. So that moved my heart. How about for you, Steve? Well, there's lots of encounters we had, but one thing I thought was a divine appointment was the tracks we were using primarily came from an organization called Evantel out of uh, Dallas, and they are like a four spiritual law type track in the language of the Polish or Ukrainian or German. And Ed Cheek, it turned out, he, he was surprised that we were using those tracks because he went to school with the man who founded Evantel at <laughs> Dallas Seminary. So just that small world of connection uh, was very encouraging just to see, I think, as everyone looked at the English version online of what those tracks said, you could see it was a very straightforward gospel message that we were delivering to everybody. Steve, I understand that you had support from Romanian believers. How did they support your efforts, and how was that relationship initiated? Our re relationship as a local Church Fellowship here in Memphis with Romania goes back uh, 35 or more years, and a number of us have gone there. Alan and I have gone there a couple times, and while we were there this past summer and doing some evangelism with them, and as well as there was a conference, they connected us with some people who are in Ukraine who are either Ukrainian or are Romanian, but they're in Ukraine or Moldova, and they were helpful to us in knowing where to go. And also that refugee place that we went to was someone who had relationship with the saints in Ukraine. But the most important thing I know for sure is the saints in Ukraine, the brothers and sisters, were praying for us and their prayers were opening door after door after door for us. You sensed God's presence and prayers being answered while you were there. Absolutely. An open door. Amen to that. Well, the days were long. You guys, as stated, sometimes starting as early as 7.30 or earlier. Some of the evenings ending as late as 10 p.m. or even later than that. How about your physical stamina? You guys aren't young chickens, all right? How did you guys hold up during these 10 days? It was difficult. The Holy Spirit held me up. I'm not sure about these two guys. <laughs> I'm just joking. The Lord sustains us. And uh, the hardest time was we had to wait 13 hours to get out of Ukraine. 
uh, in the uh, line to get through the border. So we were basically up all night. And yet the next day we just went back out and as if we had slept <laughs> through the night. God does give the endurance and the strength to do what he's called you to do. Guys, this has been great. Our time is slipping away on this program again. You're just believers in Jesus Christ. I mean, there's nothing really special about you guys, right? No. The only thing special is that we know you, Byron. No, I don't know know about that. But I'm so thankful that I know you and that we have had this longtime friendships over the years in so many ways. Each of you are special to me in different ways, and together is a group very dear to my heart. And so as we start to wrap up the show here, let's talk to our listeners about sharing the gospel. Steve, through missionfieldusa.com, I think folks can find out information about these excursions that you do take from time to time. Yeah, the, the website gives information. Uh, we have to update it with some uh, the more recent trips. But really, the bottom line is, uh, and what we've seen is, we've uh, seen people who go out on these trips, and they're changed forever. They go back to their home communities, wherever those are, and begin and continue to share the gospel which is, should be something that every believer does. And they don't have to do it all the time. They don't have to do it in some sort of highfalutin way, but at least be open to when you're in the grocery store or going to the gas station or whatever, just as you're going through life, just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that website, do you know, Steve, for the Tract Ministry out of Dallas? Do you have a connection there we could share if folks wanted to be able to obtain maybe some tracts? for their communities to give out, maybe even some of the different language tracks. It's spelled Evantel, E-V-A-N-T-E-L-L, and I believe it's .org, but if you Google it, you can find it. Well, this has been great. Guys, thank you so much for sharing your hearts with us, and you're always welcome here. I want to keep this sharing the gospel in the forefront for our listeners to help encourage them in their efforts to share the gospel as well. Any closing thoughts before we say goodbye, Steve? Well, we're just grateful. This is the most exciting time in in history. The Lord Jesus is coming. He wants multitudes, multitudes. They are in the Valley of Decision, so we have to be out there offering what they're deciding for, and that obviously it's by faith, it's by grace, it's by the Holy Spirit, but without somebody sharing that message, they're not going to hear it. So that's what we are excited to be about doing. Amen. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by here on the Bot Radio Network. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.